would you stand this morning? If God was good to you and spoke to you in his word um, during your time with him this week, would you stand this morning? Well, let's pray. Lord God, we welcome you with praise. We welcome you in praise and gratitude for being who you are, for showing just how good and powerful and faithful you are, that you're real. You do what you say you'll do. You come through. You show yourself powerful. And we welcome you today in praise. We're just filled with wonder that you would care about us. Open us now, Lord, to, to your voice. Let us be even more responsive to you and to who you are. And show yourself to us, Father, through Jesus, through this table. We ask it in his name. Amen. This morning, it's going to be about preparation. This is a really great Sunday because it's the Sunday where we're going to send off officially, kind of as a body, as a congregation of people, 11 young people from this congregation to go to Berlin, Germany to do the work of the gospel next week. Isn't that wonderful? And this is the Sunday that we get to be a part of that. And long before this, um, the challenge has been out there for these who are going, these who have said yes, their families, uh, their loved ones, those who have come alongside them in prayer, many who have come alongside them sacrificially, financially, and said, yes, we want to be a part. It's been about preparing for this amazing, monumental time that's going to be in Berlin, Germany next week. And so it's about preparation. But we also have another opportunity as we come together as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, to prepare. And it's to prepare to meet him at the table. It's also an important opportunity. And it really is worth some reflection. It really is worth taking some time to prepare ourselves for both. I was telling our, our huddle, our group that we huddled with this morning in prayer, some of the staff and others who help us, we meet early on Sundays to pray. And I was telling about a time in my life when I was in seminary and a professor of mine um, gave us some great advice. We were also launching off and we were going to do some ministry overseas. And, and he said to us, listen, if you've committed to this, if you've committed your life to this and you're actually going and you've made plans to go, my one piece of advice for you is to get as close to the Lord as possible before you go. It was such great advice. Because, of course, the, the idea is, amidst all of the other things that we could be doing, preparing and packing and thinking about how we're going to leave and filling our spots as we go and making sure all the finances are there, we can actually forget perhaps the most important piece, which is to prepare our hearts. And if we forget that and we're not actively doing that, we can become vulnerable to things like discouragement and temptation and even fear or disorganization. And, and we, we lay ourselves really bare to those sorts of attacks that could get us off the rail. And so preparation is really good 
in all of those other ways, but certainly preparing the heart. And the same is true as we come together as God's people, as often as we do, to not take for granted the opportunity to come before him in worship at his table. There's a lot of things that could be on our brains this morning. Some of them worthy. A lot of them, well, just not. But what's really important is am I ready to meet the Lord at his table? That's important. You know, it was Jesus who said, <laughs> above all else, guard your heart. Because out of it flows everything. Everything flows out of your heart. It's not the things that go into us that make us unclean. It's the things that come out of us. That keep us from having that amazing fellowship and relationship with God. And so he said, listen, the most important thing you can do with your time, with your passion, with your energy, with your resources, with everything, the most important thing you can do is to prepare your heart. Pay attention to what's going on on the inside. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to do it for all of us. I want us to reflect on it, especially for those who are going to Germany in just a few days, and I desire it for this body as we come once again to this amazing place that is the Lord's table to prepare our hearts. To do that, I want us to look into God's word, and I want to see a couple of stories, and, and then find ourselves in the story and see if we can find our hearts, find where our attitudes are. I can remember when I was in youth group, this was a long time ago, um, we took old school buses to camp. Like old school buses, they didn't have air conditioning. I mean, they were just dreadful things. But it was a lot of fun. But anyway, that's what we all got on. We piled onto this school bus, and our youth pastor, he drove us to camp. And um, it was a good time. Um, but then on the way back, it was nighttime. And so we were coming back to town on this bus at night. And every once in a while, along that journey... He would flip those dome lights in that old school bus, and he'd say, hand check. <laughs> you know, I want to make sure there wasn't any funny business going on in the back of that bus, especially in the dark. Well, sometimes God needs to turn the light on in our lives and say, heart check. <laughs> What's going on in your heart? What's really there? Now, the problem is, I think I know my heart pretty well. <laughs> I do, and you do too. We can kind of coast along and ride along with the tide and kind of diagnose ourselves as being okay. It's like if I were to take a stethoscope and stick it in my ears and put it up to my literal, my physical heart, I would probably be able to detect something that would be evidence that I'm alive. Dum, 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 dum. Hopefully it's regular. But I'm not a very reliable assessor of the true condition of my physical heart. You see, for that I need someone who's listened a long time and is able to discern very subtle nuances of 
things that might go wrong or be going wrong in my heart. The same is true of my spiritual heart. You see, I might be able to gauge to a certain degree the condition of my heart. But what I really need is someone who really knows and who can really tell me the condition of my heart. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ. Now, I want to invite you to turn with me in whatever version or um, copy of the scriptures you have this morning to John chapter 8. I'm very sorry about that. John chapter 8. And we're going to look at a story. We're going to look at a couple of stories this morning and see if we can't find some things in common and help us with our heart check this morning. John chapter 8. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple, and a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Now can you imagine? Just imagine that scene. Jesus is in the temple. He's in the temple courts. There's a crowd of people around him. He did this every morning. He went there to sit and to teach. And in the middle of that assembly, that very religious kind of austere assembly, as Jesus is teaching, the crowd breaks and these men come in, these very religious, pious men come in, and they're dragging a woman who they just caught in the act of adultery. Now, don't let it go too far, but just allow your imagination to go far enough to understand how horrifying that experience would have been, not only for all the people in that room, but especially for that woman. She was at best scantily clothed, if not completely without clothes, because they had just caught her, and now she is being paraded in front of all of these people in the temple in front of Jesus by these religious men. Awkward? You gotta be kidding. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? (laughs) So they quote a little scripture there. And then they ask him a question, what are you going to do about this? Now, it's helpful that John gives us a little insight. We see what's going on on the exterior. John gives us a little insight into the interior of their motives because John says they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. You see, what they had on their hearts was not religion, was not holiness, was not righteousness, was was not virtue. They had on their heart an insidious trap. They wanted to trap Jesus and trick him into saying something that they could use later on to accuse him before the Sanhedrin. Now, (laughs) Jesus bends down and kind of Write something in the dust. Nobody knows what he wrote. 
But in the meantime, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. Now this is the heart check. This is the heart check. All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Heart check. You've quoted Moses. You've quoted him correctly. You are accurate in your assessment. And you are on the mark in terms of the penalty. All right, Jesus says. But. Check your heart. If your heart is right before God. I mean, 100% right before God. Go for it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Pick up a stone. And John says, one by one, they, they started to slip away. Starting with the oldest first, down to the youngest. Until eventually, the only one left standing there with this woman and the crowd was, guess who? Jesus. Now listen, I want you to know something this morning, whether you're preparing to go to Germany on a mission trip for eight days, or you are preparing as part of the body of Christ to come before his table in this amazing opportunity to worship before him. The only thing that matters about your heart is what Jesus thinks about your heart. And I would dare say he wants to do a heart check in all of our lives this morning. Because you see, my assessment of what's going on in my spiritual life is not reliable. They thought they were on the mark. I mean, Moses said it. And Moses said, this is what you're supposed to do when you find someone in this scenario. And Jesus said, yes, you're exactly right. Now check your heart. And when he checked it for them, they all disappeared. And John says... Jesus looked at this woman and said, where'd they all go? Is there anyone left to condemn you? And she said, no. And Jesus said, I'm not going to condemn you either. Now, Jesus knew her heart. And according to Jesus' assessment, there wasn't anything in her heart that would bring condemnation. And he sent her away with a new vision for how to live. You go and stop sinning. What do I need to do, guys? Okay. Now, Jesus doesn't lay a trap Jesus doesn't pounce on this woman with words. Jesus doesn't accuse. Jesus doesn't condemn. Jesus is not indifferent to her sin. He notices it. He understands it. He even appeals to it. But he gives her another way. He offers her mercy and grace and forgiveness and a new vision for her life. But he knows the heart. He knows the heart. 
Now, I want you to also turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. A corresponding passage. Some of the same players are in this passage as well. And we'll take a little closer look. Matthew chapter 26. This is the end of Jesus' ministry when the first was a little closer to the beginning of it. Starting at the beginning of Matthew chapter 26. Matthew writes this time, when Jesus had finished saying all these things. What things? We'll just go a page right before that and listen to what Jesus was saying. He says in verse 37, the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. The least of these in your life. Then the king will turn to those who are on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. I was caught in adultery. I was found a beggar. I was caught in pornography. I was caught as a criminal. All of these things, the least of things, I was there. And when you didn't respond out of a heart of compassion and mercy and kindness and grace... You didn't respond to me. This is a matter of the heart. This is a matter of the heart. And after Jesus had spoken all of those things, those things, about all of those people out there who are so vastly different than them, they are the outcasts, they are the outsiders, they are the people on the edge. They do not have the same address or the same bank accounts as we. After all of those things, Matthew picks up his story. And Jesus said, as you know, Passover begins in two days. That's exactly what we are going to celebrate this morning is the New Testament translation of Passover. A reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. At that same time, the leading priests and elders, these are the most influential, key individuals in that religious society, they were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest, plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. How about that for a heart assessment in the word of God? In the midst of all of this, just a few days before Passover, this most remarkable opportunity to remember the power and grace of God on their behalf, these individuals were meeting in this secret place plotting against Jesus. Just like story number one. But they knew they didn't want to do it during the Passover celebration. You see, they were a little bit of politician as well because they didn't want the people to riot. Meanwhile, Jesus, I love this, was in Bethany at the home of Simon. 
a man who used to be a leper. <laughs> you remember him? He was, he was the one who had leprosy. He was also a cast out. He was once considered unclean, a dredge of society. He was one of those. He was one of the least of these that Jesus talked about. And that's where Jesus is. He's not conspiring over here with all the hobnobbing, with all the kind of haves and, and the people who have all the influence and all the position and, and kind of all the pretense. No, he's over in Simon's house, this one who used to be a leper. He's in Bethany. And of course, the disciples are there. And while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head right in the middle of dinner. This woman breaks into this room and, and starts anointing Jesus' head with perfume. Awkward? But surely there would be a different response. I mean, these are the disciples that are with him now. N not these Pharisees, not these religious leaders, the elite. No, these are the, these are the disciples, the ones who had walked with Jesus. They'd, they'd, seen, they, they, they'd kind of carried along with him in his ministry. They'd seen him touch Simon. They saw him heal Simon. They, they saw him give sight to the blind, and, and he caused lame people to walk. So surely they were going to respond differently. I'm looking forward to how they respond. And the disciples were indignant when they saw this. You've got to be kidding. These guys were offended. They were offended. Why? Because it was a woman? Because she broke into their meal? Because she did something so wholly inappropriate? No, that wasn't the problem. They were offended because in their assessment, she had wasted good money. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. Can you imagine? With Jesus in Simon's home, Get healed of leprosy. This woman breaks in. And all they're thinking about is the bottom line. But Jesus, aware of this, aware of what? <laughs> aware of their heart. He's aware of what's in your heart. I mean, it just doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how religious you appear. It doesn't matter how pious you present yourself and your thoughts and your ideas and all your input. What matters is that Jesus is fully and wholly comprehensively aware of what's going on in your heart. He knows your heart. And Matthew says, Jesus is aware of this. And he says, why are you bothering this woman? She has done actually a beautiful thing. She's not wasted money. She's actually lavished upon me an act of kindness and grace and beauty.
Does it matter to you that Jesus is aware of your attitude this morning? Does it matter to you more than anything else on the planet and in your world today that as you prepare to go to Germany to do eight days of ministry on behalf of the gospel or as you prepare to come as the body of Christ to this table based on his invitation, does it matter to you that he is so fully and comprehensively aware of what's in your heart? He knows. He knows what's driving you. He knows what's got you on edge. He knows what's causing you to stay in darkness and, and not come into the light. He knows what has its hold on you. He knows your heart. I don't. Your mother doesn't. Your friends don't. He does. And listen, he cares deeply about does. Now, I can't prove this, <laughs> but I think the woman at Bethany in Matthew 26 is the same woman from John chapter 8. I think she's here breaking into this dinner because she is so overwhelmed with gratitude and thankfulness for what Jesus didn't do to her, but what he actually did for her in setting her free. She also was one of the least of these. She was naked. Jesus clothed her with grace and mercy. And here... These Pharisees and these disciples, they're so focused on all the wrong things. And Jesus is saying, she's the genuine item. Look at her heart. Travelers, that's what I'm calling you, 11. I don't know another word, so I'm calling you travelers. <laughs> Are you ready for Germany like that? Are, are, are you ready to be so unbelievably used by him? And do you have, without a doubt, a confidence in your mind and your heart that he has done the work to prepare you and ready you for that awesome opportunity? to be his hands and feet and eyes and mouth to the people of Germany. Church, are we ready? Are you ready as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, to come to this table? Or is there something in your heart? Are you holding something against someone in this body or in your family. You know, Jesus was the one who said, listen, you have heard that it is said, you shall not commit, uh, commit murder. <laughs> anybody murder anybody out there this week? <laughs> I doubt it. But I tell you, Jesus said, 
if you even have the slightest bit of bitterness and anger in your heart that you're holding for your brother and sister in Christ, you are guilty of breaking the law of God. You see, he sees the heart. Are you ready to meet him at his table? Are you prepared to be used by him in Germany? Are we as a congregation ready to send 11 people from our midst? Are our hearts pure about it? Or are we still hung up on something? Now, <laughs> it would not be right to throw out such a challenge without providing a path for making it so. David, King David, this is what he prayed. Search me, O God. Search me, O God. Search my heart. Go to the deepest, darkest places of me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And point out anything in me that offends you. And then lead me along a path of everlasting life. Now that's your path. Travelers, that is your path for preparation to Germany. Lord, search my heart. Listen, you are not a reliable assessor of your heart. <laughs> you are not. The heart is deceitful. That's what the Bible says. It cannot be trusted. So don't trust your heart. Don't trust your own assessment of your heart. What you're doing is you're inviting the Lord by His Spirit to search your heart and see if there's anything there that is unpleasing or dishonoring to Him so that He can remove it, you see, and then you can be used as a vessel for His glory and His grace. What a powerful prayer. And we, as those who will remain... And be in fervent, joyful, anxious prayer on your behalf. Are counting on you to pray that prayer in earnest. This is not a holiday. This is a mission to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to a country that desperately needs it. And we are counting on you to prepare your hearts. But it's also a prayer for me and for you, for all of us, as we come to this table. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Am I like one of these Pharisees? You know, kind of meeting in secret with my own little group kind of with a plot, a little plan, you know, kind of catch someone or trip them up, just wait for them to say the wrong thing, and then we'll nail them. <laughs> that never happens in a church, does it? Or am I one of these disciples that just gets so kind of miffed or indignant when something doesn't go quite the way I think it ought to go? 
That's exactly what was going on. There couldn't have been a more shallow expression of what was going on in their hearts. They were just offended that they didn't have the opportunity to sell this expensive perfume, you know, and use it to buy some food for the poor. Wink, wink. (laughs) Right? I mean, I mean, I could have used that for my mission trip. What a waste. No, see, it's an attitude of the heart. Am I worthy to come before this table this morning? Or is there something in my life? Is there something in my mind? Am I hung up on something about this ministry or this congregation or this church or whatever in my life that is going to keep me from having perfect fellowship with Jesus Christ this morning? You see, that's a matter of the heart. And Jesus is well aware. And so by praying that prayer, you are inviting him. Now, here's the best part. (laughs) You're not inviting a group of church people or Pharisees to make that assessment. Based on these two stories, I wouldn't recommend that. Based on these two stories, the person I think I want looking into my heart is Jesus Christ. Because no matter what he sees, he is not going to condemn you for asking him to take a look. That's what religious people do. We saw that in the story, remember? But I challenge you to go all the way through the New Testament, starting in the book of Matthew and going all the way to the end of of John's gospel. There was not one occasion, not one, not one occasion where Jesus utters a condemning, judgmental word for someone who is found in their sin. He doesn't do it. And so, listen, go for it. Ask him to look at your heart. Let him go there. He is the most gracious, merciful, faithful, forgiving, and reliable assessor of your heart. David says, search me, oh God. Go for it. That's my challenge for all of you who are going to Germany. And that's my challenge to myself and to all of us who are part of the body of Christ this morning. Let's ask God to search our hearts and make us right. Let's bow to pray. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you for your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
but if during this time of reflection and seeking of him, he puts his finger on something in your heart, just confess it. Just tell him, yes, I agree with you, Lord. That's wrong. That's a bad attitude. I've been holding that. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm doing that. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm doing that. I'm going to stop. Confess it. He will be faithful and, and just to forgive you for that. you've been holding something against some brother or some sister in this congregation and the Lord puts his finger on that this morning and you're going to Germany or you're coming to this table I urge you before God by the grace of Jesus Christ to get up from your seat and make that right with that brother or that sister if there's a little place of darkness in your life no one else is aware of but Jesus is well aware of it he is the one he is the safest most gracious most merciful person to bring that to this morning so do it I say with Jesus, the Son of the living God this morning, is there anyone left to condemn you? He doesn't condemn you either. Go in peace. Go in forgiveness. Go in mercy. Go in grace and stop sinning and find the joy and freedom and goodness and power of a relationship with him. And go to Germany with the favor and fullness of the blessing of the Lord this morning. The praise and glory of his name. invite our guys to join me at the table this morning. Gracious God, we welcome you in praise. Thank you for your word that is true and alive and living, sharp, double-edged. Thank you for the wonder of forgiveness, for mercy and grace. Thank you for the blood of your Son that cleanses us from all sin. And for the life that you've given to us in his name, we give you praise. We worship and adore you at this table this morning. The glory of your name in all the earth. Amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, that on the night when he was betrayed... 
the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Jesus said, this is my body, it was broken for you, take and eat in remembrance of me. The scripture says that in the same way he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement that is confirmed with my blood. Do this also to remember me as often as you drink it.
Jesus said, this is the cup. New covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me. Amen. We're going to do this something a little differently this morning. If you're prepared to give a benevolence gift, there are going to be ushers at the exits this morning as you leave to do that. And before we do our final number, I'm going to invite Brett and Paul Acey and our travelers to all come up and join me here on the platform. If you're going to Germany um, Wednesday morning for Mission Berlin, please, please join us up here. Thank you. Here they come. These, these are our servants, our ambassadors for Christ. Amen. Thank you. Paul Acey leads our mission effort here, so I've asked him to lead our dedicatory prayer. I uh, woke up this morning and I told Matt as I walked in, I was thinking about him and the trip they're about to take. And um, Germany is quite an interesting place. I spent a fair amount of time there. And um, Berlin has a history that um, speaks to the depravity of man, to be quite honest. Hmm. You know, two world wars have emanated from there. Hmm. Uh, concentration camp is right outside. That's the, the model concentration camp, uh, which is an unforgettable experience to travel through there. The home of the final solution, but if you go to Berlin now, a lot, you know a lot of that's still on display. But it, it's a very modern city, and um, it has you know uh, very clockwork-like things rip off there. You know, train says it's going to be there at 6:50. It's there at 6:50, mm-hmm. and it's a very interesting place to visit. And uh, so I'm thinking about all you guys and your trip, and, and to be honest, with you, I'm a little jealous. I want to go too, <laughs> but uh, I know you got Brett as a great leader here. I know he's going to do a great job. Yeah. And I uh, spoke a little bit with um, Allison this week and uh, with uh, Kristen and um, a little bit about their trip. And it was pretty exciting. And uh, I know they're going to have a really good time. Uh, one thing I want to say for sure is that um, in a city like that, that's um, uh, <laughs> it's been called the home of uh, the atheism. And um, so it's a tough audience, to be quite honest with you. And uh, so to, for a tough audience like that, you really need some missionaries that are just off the charts good hmm. and Fritz and Annette are that <laughs> they are off the charts good and what they do uh, with Lynette when she goes down to that alabaster jar in that ministry I mean I just can't tell you you know <laughs> few people can do what she can do few people it's just absolutely amazing and uh, so I'm encouraged by you guys and, and the girls getting to go there and doing that thing it's it takes some courage um, so we all need to pray for them this mm-hmm. week <laughs> I think for the girls specifically, um, I think I would be pretty intimidated by that. But uh, So let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I just come to you today and um, dedicate this team to you. And I know just how important uh, those kids are that they're going to talk to, how it's like the United Nations right there in front of us. Lord, I just pray for the wisdom and guidance for every one of these people, that they would be changed, they would listen, they would... Um, absorb Fritz and Lynette and their ministry there and, and participate in whatever ways that you have for them, Lord. But I know it's going to be exciting. And I also know that when they come back, they're not going to be the same people. Hmm. They will not. Lord, I just pray that you would give them the wisdom and guidance to do everything that you would have them to do, to listen up and to be uh, good witnesses to you. These things I ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap if you're going to pray for these travelers. Isn't that great? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. That's on or off.
Let's stand and celebrate together. 10,000 joys.
Now, dear friends, you must build each other up in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life, and in this way you will keep yourself safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by protecting them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution hating the very sin that contaminates their lives. And now all the glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him, who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and forevermore. Amen. Flawless, unrelenting 